So yeah, here we go. Design for Life podcast number two. Um, we made some progress last time, which was really great. Yeah. And, uh, it was a miracle that uh, our efforts yielded a listenable and full spectrum audio. Uh, so I'm glad for that. That's a win for sure. Um, for those of that have listened to that last podcast, there was a, uh, a stereo issue with the with the microphone lines that I don't know if how much that translated to the listener um, with headphones on. But if that was weird, um, I think we fixed that this time. Um, we're running yeah. through a different mixer now um, that gives us two stereo ins that should be fine. So that's mm-hmm. one um, one piece of the puzzle I think solved. Ben is the sound master for this uh, podcast, so he's doing most of the, the legwork on figuring out how all the audio is going to work, and right. I'm kind of taking the uh, video approach, making sure it's enough lighting, Right. and right. yeah, we got angles. angles. Um, it's all about the angles. Yeah, and then I have a, a third person, Noichi. She's down in Brazil, but she's helping me edit all these videos. Right. So, so far, it's a team of three. Right. Working somewhat remotely, too, which is great. Uh, yeah. Location independent, which we're trying to um, build into this, bake into this from the start. So yeah. um, that's a really interesting yeah. process, too. So, so all this setup fit in a one be- yeah, one carry-on lunch. Carry-on lunch, yeah, basically. Except great. for, I mean, I could. I guess the laptop would fit in there, too, but that stays with me most of the time. So a backpack and a piece of carry-on luggage, um, and it's a fully set up, at least for audio, um, yeah. a fully mobile rig. You could record anywhere you wanted to. Which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Which is why I'm doing this sort of. I mean, it's part yeah. of the re- one of the biggest. I think um, one of the biggest bonuses for me is being able to test technology and to learn new things, build more capabilities into the multimedia um, kind of rigs that the various sets of equipment that you accumulate as a creative person. Um, yeah, and I, I think eventually too, if you like to bring value to the viewers who wants to maybe. Right. Set up something like this for themselves. Right. To like go over what you have too. Yeah. Yeah. And the exact things that you would need to have like a, a very compact mobile system that yep. you could take anywhere and do a little recording. Yeah. And this is not, I mean, relatively inexpensive too. This rig, especially, um, I think is more affordable than, than I would have expected. The microphones, particularly, these are like the cheapest condenser microphones you can order off of Amazon. And so far, they've worked okay. They're yeah. not like, you know, we're not recording backup vocals for the Rolling Stones, but they're they're fine. Why not, man? And they're small. <laughs> yeah, Rolling Stones. Are they even relevant anymore? I don't even know. <sighs> yeah, we're not recording backup vocals for Young Jeezy or Aesop Sap Rocky. Sorry to all the Aesop Rocky fans. <laughs> um, what are the kids listening to these days? I have no clue. I don't know either. No, I just watched the show called Rapture on Netflix. What's and, it called? Uh, oh, Rapture. Rapture. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a documentary about rappers. Oh, the, really? The first uh, episode was about Logic. Ooh. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Was yeah, Logic. Interesting I like Logic. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Still. So yeah, it was what <laughs> we we uh, <laughs> we printed an itinerary out this time too, um, which we may or may not follow. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're trying to really uh, we're trying to evolve this every episode. So yeah, um, we really enjoyed doing it last time. Totally. We definitely want to keep going. Keep totally. going, keep improving. Totally. Each time. I don't know where to look. That's the problem now. I don't know if I look at you, look at that oh, camera. Look, like I'm not used to the look at it all. Camera, man. camera two, camera one. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like with a podcast, you don't have to worry about 
you know, looking at anything. I but know. for the videos. For the videos you do, though. Yeah. yeah so if yeah, I want. So. I can't just be, like, here with a suit and tie on and then, like, no pants. You know, it's like, <laughs> they'll know. It's on you know? camera. It's all, yeah, they have angles. The angles. Yeah. So, yeah. This is good. So, I mean, yeah. Just do what's natural. Right. You know, talking to the camera. Right. For making certain points. Um, so we got two personal cameras and one overview. Right. Which right. captures both of us. Right. And, uh. So we got everything covered. Right, yeah. So recap of last week, um, I think we should, uh, just to recap some of the improvements, we fixed the stereo issue. We're mm-hmm. using a different mixer. Um, we are now no longer, oh, we took this on the road. So we are now in a location neutral room um, in one of our maker spaces. That's another thing that we changed, um, which we'll see how that um, pans out in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using different lights that we have in this facility. And um, I adjusted levels just kind of in this uh, audition just to um, keep the our, our um, conversational levels kind of more equal. So I think those are the primary. And an itinerary was printed as well. Those yeah. are the key differences this time than from last time. So, for you, yeah. yeah. And then for me, we had some issues with the overview camera. Oh, that's right. In like 20-minute mark, it just stopped recording. That's right. Um, Do we ever figure out why, why that was? Possibly. Um, I talked to Noichi about it, and she said the, the camera might have gone to sleep. Hmm. Hence, like, turning off the, the video recording. Right. Um, Might be a checkbox somewhere and, in there. I mean, yeah, it had a window saying something about, like, why it stopped, but I can't remember what it was exactly. Okay. Um, I know it likes to cut clips if it's too long because they, they try to – Oh, right. They have a maximum amount yeah. of data per video. So Yeah. Which it probably has to do with the, the model that I bought, which is fairly old. I see. Um there's probably and, a setting you can maybe even check that yeah. might disable that or something. Uh, yeah, I turned it so there's no sleep mode, so it's just on. Um, Sweet. And one thing I have to do right now is flip the LCD screen. So in case something does happen, I know, right? I can address it. Yeah, you just might want to do that right so, now, right? Yeah. We won't edit any of this out. We're, gonna, we're not going to edit anything. Um, we might edit some things out. <laughs> Eventually, there will be more production value in, uh, I think, the finished product here. But right now, we're running pretty. Uh, All right. It's recording. That's good. It's yeah. pretty raw, a pretty raw upload just to so, document this process. Yeah, and you have a better view of it. So just look at that camera every now and then. Make sure that it's still while. working. Yeah. 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 So if, if you notice anything, you can restart it. Cool. Yeah, memory card's empty, so it should be good to go. Yeah, this uh, we're recording officially too, so there is a recording happening here, which is, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst. What else was I going to say? There was one other thing that we, one other thing that we did differently oh we got a name right we got a new name we got a name well a name yeah I, I had i had a few in my head um from before recording but i think going through those and brainstorming off of those we came up with a really good one yeah would you like to you, you say it. yeah it was your it's, it was, yeah it's your okay your brainchild so we're gonna call this podcast the design for life podcast by ben Myosi and Alex Caves. A rare correct pronunciation on, on <laughs> yeah, record. I had to think about it for a little bit. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. That's funny. Uh, I know. I, naturally, you want to say Myosi, but I know. Myosi. It should be Myosi. Like, phonetically, it doesn't make any sense to make be a Myosi. It doesn't make sense. It's Myosi. Right. You want to name tags and stuff? Like, I will actually, like, write the phonetic uh, pronunciation underneath it just, like, to stop the conversation <laughs> right there. I think you did yeah. do that in the initial email that you sent me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to like, because funny. Leave this up right off the bat. Yeah, see, I just go, you know, like Sea Lion Caves. That's my last name, Caves. Sea Lion Caves. And that is a, that is a Northwest, <laughs> as a is. Northwest yeah, reference for sure. Have you ever been down in there? Yeah, when I was little. Yeah. Yeah. I refused to go down there. Yeah, my dad's like, our family's over there. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Hilarious, my dad. dad. Good, good jokes. Good work. For sure. That's funny. So let's talk about why we're doing this. The Design for Life podcast coming to you once a week, 30 minutes for now, but potentially later. Um, you want to talk about a little bit of, of or just to restate the objectives here and, and kind of get us started with our with this week's topic? or Sure. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think what I want to do per se, it's, I mean, like what I want to do is talk about not just what design is, but also right. design mindset and how using the design process for your daily life can really improve your life. Right. <laughs> not to repeat life all the time. But, yeah. Um, and this is something that I've taken to effect personally, and it's been working out pretty well. Nice. And it's it's something that I think I've naturally been doing it ever since, you know, I was little. Right. Um, and I guess if I want to, or if um, you don't object, I'll talk about my life history. Yeah, I do. Um, so I was born in Japan. I'm half Japanese. I don't think I, I don't even know this stuff. So yeah, so yeah, this it's is great. Good. I don't know your story either. I know. So we're just gonna go talk about our origins real quick. Um, so yeah, I was born in Japan. Grew up there uh, in Shizuoka, which is like I can't remember. I don't know the distance, but it's south of Tokyo, right on the coastline, going up. If you know the shape of Japan, I don't. <laughs> I guess yeah, I'm doing hand gestures, yeah. but the the listeners won't understand. Right, uh, what I'm talking about. So we but, added, uh, added in the map of Japan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in the video. To the video. Sure. Hear that? Hear that? Yeah, we need like a screen right there. Oh, a little projection. This would be actually be a great place for an overlay, for a, a graphic overlay. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah, put that on the list. But uh, yeah, so I was born in Japan. Moved to America when I was seven, and uh, when we moved, my dad is like a serial entrepreneur. Hmm. Like, he made a living like teaching English to corporations uh-huh. and. He was also, his background is in like general contracting. So he started building Western homes in Japan. Interesting. And when the economy kind of started going bad in Japan uh, and his business was like almost running out of money, he decided to just close shop and transfer all of us to America, which was in his plan, um, in the parents' plan. And uh, so we moved here. We almost had like next to nothing in terms of cash. We ended up moving to Eugene because we had grandparents here. Uh, I see. On my dad's side. And um, we, <laughs> a family of six, actually lived in a fifth wheel for like a year and a half. Wow. Yeah, which, I that, mean. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty small space. I was the youngest, so all my, I have three older sisters, and yeah, we all lived together. Wow. Probably like in a 500 square foot fifth wow. wheel. Yeah, that's crazy yeah so i was trailer trash <laughs> for the oh, younger no, no. part of my just life mobile just mobily <laughs> mobily housed it's a different no, situation yeah and the funny thing is i loved it like i really? didn't regret that experience at all yeah i think that's actually what got my creative juices going because like certain situations like you know holidays whatever we were we didn't get a ton of stuff like right toys and whatnot right so we had to be creative and come up with our own yeah. Ways of playing. Yeah. And yeah, in, a, one, in a small space even. Yeah. And one thing I remember vividly is um, we could only afford two rollerblades, two pairs of rollerblades for the four kids. Oh, wow. So we ended up just strapping uh, one rollerblade to one leg. Oh, my goodness. And sharing it with with <laughs> all the kids. And we would just push like with push the other. Like push with your yeah. like a scooter? And it was a blast. That's dope. That's actually really great. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and we actually, yeah, we were able to stay in this big lot where the... The uh, company uh, had like extra space. Yeah. Who sold trailers? 
Oh, nice. So we got like a really cheap deal there to stay. And uh, wait, so you, what? You to buy the trailer from the company and then just live where the, the where you bought it yeah. from? Wow, that's amazing. So we, like we had no connections except the grandparents, and they lived in a RV park too, which is like over in McKenzie. Are you sure you actually bought the trailer and you weren't just living it on the dealership in yeah. secret? No, we bought it. Okay. Yeah. So we we had it for a long time. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> it's funny. But it's like, yeah, yeah, no, they yeah. just let us stay here um, on the lot. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty fun. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like a a big adventure for a seven year old, you know. What happened in Japan? I don't know anything about the history of Japan. Um, what happened? To, the economy took a downturn 20, 20 years ago in the what nineteen ninety eight. Ish ninety seven yeah. ninety seven. What was the the primer? Do you know anything about the what, what happened? I don't know the details, hmm. but yeah, all I know is is like the prime time for moving the family over. Yeah, and yeah, because cool. yeah, his business wasn't doing well. Gotcha. And just like might as well, you know, close shop, save what we got. Yeah, start new. It's awesome. Yeah. So that makes you fluent in Japanese then, right? Somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I have not gone back no? to Japan at all. Yeah. Oh wow. So I've been here for twenty one years. Okay. And. But you know, I've lost most of it. But hmm. still I, in there I, somewhere. Can, I can still understand. Um, I went to a Japanese immersion school, mm-hmm. which is one of the the perks of being here is they have a really good program uh, from elementary all the way up to high school. So I was in that um, and got me assimilated to learning English and an immersion school here in Eugene. You mean? Yeah. That was that is predominantly for immigrants uh, from Asia in general, J- um, Japan not, or not China. Not necessarily. It was just a it was a typical uh, elementary school, but it had a split curriculum. So one, one half was Japanese, the other half was in English. Oh, I see. And anyone can enroll. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, and it, it was perfect for me because, like, uh, and shout out to Yujin Gakuen, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, no, it was, it was great, too. And my mom would come in and cl- to class and help me uh, with English because... They actually, my parents actually met in America, and she was she came here as a, oh. a student to go to a community college, and oh. that's how they met. And well, to start a family, they moved to Japan. Oh, I see. Yeah. And what nationality is your mom? Are, they, are your parents both Japanese, or no? No. <coughs> Excuse me. It's all right. Um, my mom's full Japanese, and my dad's white. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's funny because it's funny how assumptions work. I assumed that it was the other way around for some reason, like. Mm. Painting the picture mentally for me, I assume that your dad was full Japanese and that your mother was probably some other ethnicity. <coughs> I suspected that there was another ethnicity in there, but I wasn't sure and I didn't want to assume yeah. too much. But I clearly had it backwards anyway, so that's fine. Oh, I mean, as long as you, you got one right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm yeah. half, so 50-50 cool. chance, right? Cool, cool. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over a cold right now, so it's all right. I'm choking on something. We'll edit those out <laughs> in but, post. Uh, <coughs> That's, okay. that's awesome. <coughs> and here you are. Ah, sorry. Yeah, and here I am. Um, so high school was kind of when I discovered my love of welding, metalworking, and working with my hands. Uh, my dad growing up was really into classic cars, and I got into nice. that as well. And my very first car was a... 1960 Ford Falcon. Oh my goodness! That I bought is like not running, but I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to, you know, I want to fix her upper and try to fix it." And, yeah, yeah. Did um, you? No. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, like, 
I it was kind of like a rusted out a little bit, so I like got all the paint off, resprayed it. Cool. Uh, did a lot of the body work, but yeah, I never got it actually running. Never worked. Like, yeah, I mean, like, did it have an engine in it when you bought it, or was it just a rolling? Yeah, it frame? turned over when we when we bought it. It was oh. just a straight six. Oh, okay. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like I wish. You know, I had enough funding right. to like be able to buy stuff for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like all I could do was for free. You know, right? Like, something that I can put energy into only. Yeah, it gets it gets a little crazy. I mean, like right off the bat, like once you <clears throat> like the notion of rehabbing a, a classic car is all. Yeah. it sounds amazing until uh, yeah. you're like, hmm. So you start it's looking expensive. at the catalog. Yeah, everything yeah. you need just for it. Parts and it's like yeah, thousands. Trying of to dollars. figure out what's wrong with it. Right. <laughs> it ended up being like a clogged fuel line. Oh man, which is like so easy. How am I gonna? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, right. Well, yeah. I mean, even yeah, that's 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 hard. Yeah, it's the tools too. That's really what what mm-hmm. bottlenecked me a lot working on. I don't, I don't. I, I pretend to be a car person that I'm not really one, and it's always about the tools and the, and the space to work on. That, that's like half the battle because oh, it's yeah, so hard sure. to. If you've got to like lay on your back in your driveway, that creates a certain set of parameters that you know make it harder to do anything. Mm-hmm. And when um, it's not sunny and rainy, or raining, you can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, or like it's awkward angles, you can't reach stuff. Like the the lift changes the game, you know. Yeah. And then having the right like all the sockets alone and two like hand tools and then power tools and then specialty tools for that one thing. You yeah, know, it's crazy. So it was a good experience in like learning the process of fixing something. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, that was my very first big project. Like I've done like simple stuff. It's probably like my earliest memories. Uh, creating this like small scale model of my house with my dad's like revisions, renovations that he oh, wanted yeah. to do to the house. Nice. And yeah, I like did it to scale and everything. Well, just out of cardboard, like layered the floors, like authentically. Would, yeah, like a wow. topographical, cool uh, uh, layout plans for the house. And I made the roof so that it would pop, come off so that you can have a top view. That's looking awesome. Down. Yeah, yeah. With all the the changes. Um, so That's I've always hilarious. had this like, yeah, creative mind and ability with my, my hands to create something accurately. Um, and then in high school, I really got to dive into that, which nice. was a lot of fun. I did metal shop all four years. Oh, really? Yeah. Almost every term. I don't really even remember the other classes We're not <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, but I got tons of skill and knowledge from that, which kind of set me off into this trajectory that I am on now. Right. And, uh. After high school, I still didn't know what design was, and I was like, I want to be an inventor. Like, right. I just want to create awesome stuff. Right. And but I didn't know there was a profession for it. Yeah, I didn't either, honestly. And, yeah, and so I was just like, well, and I, I, that summer, senior year, I got a job working at Archimoto when they were just starting out. Here in, in Eugene? Yeah. Archimoto? Archimoto, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think um, the founder of Archimoto, I'll look this up later. Uh, I don't know much about the company. I think he spoke at the conference we were at um, on Friday. Yesterday. That was yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. No. Oh. Yeah. Well, well what? Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and Mark, you, Mark Fromeyer is the, okay. the CEO. And Archimoto is this like those uh, kind of Can-Am open cockpit sort of motorcycle yeah. things, right? It's a reverse trike uh, footprint. Uh, it's registered as a motorcycle. So you don't need like right, uh, and all you need is just a uh, driver's license. You don't need a motorcycle endorsement. Oh yeah, sweet. But and because like the like I started off when they were just making their prototypes, they were trying to create this like buggy, like almost bicycle hybrid electric uh, vehicle. 
And that really got me going, got my juices, creative juices going. And yeah. I started like designing my own reverse trike. Sweet. Motorcycles and stuff. Um, but once the, uh, the school year came around, I decided to go to Lane Community College, which mm-hmm. is a yeah, local uh, trade school with, you know, like general education. Right. And I did, I just signed up to do uh, welding, fabrication and welding, and got my associates there. And <clears throat> that place was really cool. Like, oh, it's just a giant warehouse full of welders. You just weld for six hours a day. That's amazing. Like, the class is six hours. And you learn blueprint reading. So all these, like, manufacturing techniques right. that uh, a, a designer would give plans to. Right. Or a designer would give plans to engineers, engineers to those fabricators. So right. kind of got the, uh, the uh, perspective, perspective of being a builder, building somebody else's design, you know? Yeah. And being able to read those prints and be like, uh, we're missing a dimension here. How yeah. do you want this to actually look like? Yeah, yeah. So, and were you welding steel, aluminum, both? All of it. All of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we did stick welding, MIG welding, TIG welding, um, and there's like all kinds of different uh, electrodes that you yeah weld with, um, which gives different characteristics. But it's awesome. Yeah, it's very much a skill. It's it's not one of those things where you can just pick up and just right. point and shoot. It's like right. You actually have to know what you're doing. Finesse. You got to finesse it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, whatever you're, you're you're fabricating, you have to be able to adjust the settings. Like you can't just right. You can't call yourself a welder without being able to adjust right. your welder to the specific thing you're working on, um, which gets kind of anal at times. But yeah, you know it is what it is. And once you know that, it's it's such a high demand trade. It like, seems to be. I went the non-traditional route and did trade school after high school, and I have not regretted it. That's awesome. Like, it's one of those things that I was questioning at the time, like, well, Was this the right move? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, like, at the point, I was, like, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. Right. So I did trade school. So smart. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I sometimes wish that I had done that myself, actually. <clears throat> I, I almost wished that it was on the fence even when I came to University of Oregon. I... That was the other option was to go to trade school even later in life, and welding was the was the top of my list of things that I was going to pursue. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to learning more about that in the years to come. Even though I don't have really um, plans to go back to school, a, a paid program for welding, it's something I'll be pursuing yeah. as yeah. a hobby. I'll um, teach you. Right. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it. You yeah. Heard it. And yeah, I was one of the top in the class too. So nice. Not you know, not just saying. Oh, I mean, I got records to show. So. Well, weld your shoulders off. Yeah. Um, awesome. But yeah, and then that's doing that was actually where I discovered product design. One of my classmates like saw me like drawing up stuff on CAD. Mm-hmm. It was like I was working on this like Sterling, Sterling engine. Do you mm-hmm. know Sterling engine? I don't know Sterling engines now. So it, it's like a non-combustible, oh. re- like fully contained engine. Wow. That just turns from the differentiation in heat. Okay. Between chambers. So it's like once you get it going, it just perpetually goes. Whoa. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I was, I was really diving into like green energy at that point, just doing my own research and like discovering different retro motion. Nice. Crazy stuff. Trying to build um, a, uh, a perpetual energy machine. Yeah. I was really into like wind. Yeah. Wind energy. Uh, not so much solar because it was like highly inefficient at that point. Right. Um, I was like, Isn't that weird? Eh. At the time they were like solar will never be a thing. It's too inefficient. Yeah. And now today it's like, uh, actually, you know, it's, well, I, was, it's, I was wondering. It's still inefficient, that. but it's like, it's one of, it's a, it's a legacy thing, right? Mm. It's like, 
it's going to cost a, a whole lot and it's not going to produce much returns but in 20 years right it's going to pay for itself kind of thing i see um but yeah a classmate of mine saw that i was doing a whole bunch of side projects that was like kind of out there <laughs> right inventing things and uh he hands me this dvd he's like I think you would like this. That's funny. Remember those DVDs? Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> a burn DVD. It's, yeah, it was on a, a piece of silicone wafer that stored information. I know. It's so weird to think that that's a, an old tech now. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. I mean, it's still around. I mean, I, I still For get movies. Redbox movies and stuff. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, it's pretty old. Yeah, but uh, the movie was the documentary about product design called Objectified. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And that was my first introduction. And, like, the first, like, five, ten minutes, I was just like, what? Right. That's funny. This is exactly what I want to do. Like, this is my calling. Isn't that weird? It's so weird that you can, like, just be completely oblivious to something that's so, that's just right there the whole time and you don't yeah. know it exists. Oh, man. And it's just one of those things, like, once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just like, ah, ah. Just yeah, open your mind to, like, everything. That's funny. That happened to me. A similar story. I mean, when I came to uni- this, this University of Oregon, I didn't know product design was a field until I was looking at programs, you know, mm-hmm. and I was not uh, really into making things in three-dimensional space most of my life. So this was really yeah. kind of an Tell evolution. Me. Well, so I, I kind of covered my life. Let's, let's go. Oh, man, yours. right? Okay. This is, this, is the, this is turning into the origin. This is the origin podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was born. I don't have nearly as ex- exotic a background um, as, <laughs> as okay. Alex does. That's okay. Um, I was born in uh, I was born in Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in like right outside of Philadelphia in a town called Bethlehem, um, uh, the Allentown Bethlehem Easton kind of like we're a little tri tri county area or tri town area. Um, I got into art when I was about twelve or thirteen, and I discovered uh, comic books. And I just loved copying the pictures out of comic books, and I would just like draw comic books all constantly. Um, Ninja Turtles, I think, were huge at the time. Um, this was in the early '90s, um, and then I decided that you know, through high school, I would constantly drawing in the margins and the typical kind of art student um, story, mm. where I didn't pay attention to class, I didn't really care about academics much, um, but I didn't really start doing anything. I mean, I was always doing like names and logos and like extruded t- type for my friends and drawing their names like in three dimensions. And I really liked that whole graphic design side of things. Yeah, you're doing uh, like graffiti kind of stuff. Or? I started to get into it, but I was I was like torn because I was too like polite of a person, <laughs> and I didn't like the idea of like damaging that someone's would, property. Yeah, you know, like rebel graffiti. Artist, yeah, I was like, yeah. I kind of want to do that. You know, I don't want to like wreck somebody's. Wall, yeah. like how would I feel if somebody wrecked my wall? You, you, know? should, have, you should have like spray painted. Sorry, I know, right? I know, I know. I'm like the sissiest graffiti artist. Maybe your tag is sorry. Sorry, yeah, my. That'd be, my, that'd be ironic. That'd be pretty funny, actually. Sorry. It would be actually pretty funny. I should have probably. I should have. Uh, I would draw graffiti on paper a lot, but I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't very good at like I couldn't. I couldn't make it look as awesome as, mm. um, as like some of the artists that I was following at the time, like some of the like '90s graffiti artists. Um, so I was just dabble and there was a lot of other kind of tumultuous stuff happening in my life at the time, which sort of like diluted the, uh, my ability to focus on creative outlets. And I didn't really start doing, um, things more legitimately or seriously until I graduated from high school and I was in my early twenties living in Bethlehem still. Um, 
I was doing, I went to community college. I went to our local community college for graphic design and got my associate's degree. And I was freelancing for a bunch of clients right, right away. I just started, there wasn't a lot of graphic design work in my area mm. and I didn't really feel you compelled know, to what pursue kind of it. clients were you designing? Restaurants. Um, it wasn't really focusing on any industry. There was like okay. word of mouth mostly. Okay. Um, people, there was security, um, a, a security company I did some branding work for. This is all part-time stuff um, while I was working yeah. on because uh, I kind of fell into the restaurant game and I started bartending right in my early 20s and mm. I was doing that professionally full-time and nice. I was you know, making a ton of money. Um, that I, none of which I have today, which is uh, unfortunate. Um, Straight out of school. Yeah. I didn't have any idea. I had no idea how much money I was making until like way later, mm. you know, and I was just spending it all on like dinner and whatever, just dumb, dumb things. Um, anyway, so, but I got into mural art actually then, and I was, um, I pitched an idea, the idea of doing public space art and changing the entire field of vision of a viewer by changing, like painting a wall. Mm. Um, was sort of like that nexus point of like where my graffiti interests and then like community service and more kind of ab- above ground, no, above board, above board, whatever that word is, legitimate projects that were funded and sanctioned by the city. Uh, I never painted a mural in my life and I found this thousand square foot wall, which was 100 feet long wow. and about 10 feet tall, give or take, over the span of, you know, a rise. It was slightly elevated. And me and then my friend were like, oh, we should paint this wall. Um, he was more on the business side and I was more on the art side. So I, I put this proposal together. I had no idea like what a proposal was. I just was like, hey, I want to do this. I want to figure out a way to do this. So I'm going to like build a plan, which was a proposal, which I didn't yeah. know at the time. Right. And then I went to the city manager and I, we walked in there and we were like, hey, we want to paint this wall. We need some money to do it. Will you give us $10,000? And they were like, we're like, there's no way they're going to give us $10,000. And they gave us $10,000 to do it. And I was like. How old were you? I was 23 at the time, Dang, I think. That's pretty good for 23. It was dope. Uh, money wasn't for me. Now, see, this is where it all went wrong for me. I mean, I, I didn't handle this project the way that it mm. should have been handled as far as like, of course, hindsight. Like logistics. and. I mean, yeah, I could have, I think with the right amount of organization, I could have parlayed that into something more structured, but we did the best we could yeah. and actually did a lot with that. So, but I didn't really make that money. I didn't really understand how to protect my interests then and how to make sure that I was being paid for my time. So right. I was really more committed. I In kept, the project and yeah. spent everything for the project. Precisely. And then kept a lot of it and rolled the rest of it into another project. So I had all this money left over oh. and I was like, oh, we have enough money here to start another mural. And I was just going to piggyback on the first mm, mural. Interesting. Yeah, to use that. And that was a great, a great idea, actually. And the whole lineage of this process um, really taught me a lot and actually exposed me to some really cool opportunities. And I actually led me to the, like, led me here in a roundabout way. Um, to do this wall, that was incredibly difficult. I don't know if you ever painted a, like, a huge surface like that. No. Holy shit, it's, it's, it's crazy hard to do. But I did it. And mm-hmm. I got it done. Took a, took a full summer longer than it was supposed to. Oh, wow. Um, but I stayed with it, bartended, and did that, and then painted several other murals at the same time. Damn, yeah, what's that about? Yeah, damn. Right. You can keep talking. Yeah. Huh. So can you just restart it again? Yep. <laughs> it must be. It must be the thirty-minute mark. Yeah, that's about. Yeah, it must stop at thirty minutes. You want to turn that screen around again? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Struggles of. Working on the fly. No, it's good. Yeah, picking up, picking up where we left off. I won't believe at this point much longer. Um, I did a bunch of murals after that, 
really love, that's what I was going to do. I love painting murals because it was just like the whole thing was infatuating. Because um, mural art is more like a construction project than it is a painting. So you're like executing a painting, but what you learn along the way, you meet so many people, you make so many community connections, uh, this whole design process of a mural and planning it and executing it. Like you get a mural when you're done, which is a nice bonus. But in my mind, and the reason that it was so compelling to me was that the, the process of creating a mural was like this community engagement exercise. Giant collaboration with. Tons of people. Yeah. And then like the physicality of it, like painting it, you know, it's really physical work. Like you got to be on the scaffolding and it's sweaty and it's hard, you know, and like you're working, you're sweating, bleeding on this thing. And then you get this like giant wall, which is amazing. I ended up getting hired by a local company that did that work professionally. And I taught mural education and mural art then for yeah. a nonprofit in my hometown for a few years. I was an, uh, an assistant to some other um, artists in town. That's way cool. And then I got my own project, which um, was my first like lead project. And that was right before I moved away. So I moved to Philadelphia after that to try, to, and I was going to work for MAP. MAP is the biggest, the second largest mural arts program I think in the world. Ah. Um, LA is just larger than that. Um, moved to Philly with my wife, where we got married in 2010. My wife Rachel and I moved to Philadelphia, and I was still working in restaurants um, while I sorted the MAP thing out. Courted MAP like ridiculously, sent them a hundred emails, and I just kept showing up at their um, door with more packets of information about me or whatever. And then I was also looking at jobs elsewhere, and I looked at Whole Foods Market. Um, turns out they hire artists in every store at the time. They did. Mm -hmm. And I found this opportunity in Whole Foods in Philadelphia and applied for that um, to be an illustrator and a graphic designer and a sign maker for Whole Foods Market. Um, and the funny thing was I applied for a store that was Center City downtown where I lived, and I didn't get that job. But I did the I, per, I performed well enough that the the lead artist of that at, at that time had recommended me for a position out right outside of town, um, at another Whole Foods market that was like 15 minutes outside of the city, um, and so I went and applied for that and I did get that job so I was mm. that was pretty cool and the the crazy part about this whole story is is that I got phone calls within an hour of each other from both the mural arts program in Philadelphia and Whole Foods Market offering me jobs on the same day. So I had to figure out, because I had gotten interviews for a map as well, and I had worked with some of their artists, uh, restored a mural by David Gwynn um, at the Philadelphia airport. I worked with him to, like, um, fix some damage, uh, whatever, and I was on my way to do that. Mm. Um, so I had to make a choice, like, do I want to go the map route or do I want to go the Whole Foods route, because they were both kind of appealing to me. Yeah. Um, I was worried about decision. Super tough. Um, yeah, so I decided to go with Whole Foods Market because it was more stable and the income was higher. How big was the company back uh, then? Uh, that was 2000, I guess, 11, maybe 2012. So they were pretty, still pretty big. It, I mean, they were yeah. four or 500 stores nationwide, probably 50,000 okay. employees. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the history of Whole Foods, but... Yeah, it, we can do that later. It, yeah, it hasn't been huge for very long. No, it was, that was I got hired like right as they started to sort of turn a corner and become... Okay. And more franchise. unified, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were still a big company, but they were yeah. still operating very small. So, yeah, the point of it is, is I had to make a choice about how my life was going to go, and I chose Whole Foods, which led me, which is the reason that I'm here, which is, hmm. so that decision on that day is the is the single reason that, um, or not the single reason, but a, a, a critical piece of this puzzle. Um, then I worked for Whole Foods there in Pennsylvania for a while, for a couple of years, and then we decided to move west. And um, I was I, I found a, a job at a little place in called Bend, Oregon, which I had never seen or heard of before. And I must be the only person on earth who moved to Bend without ever knowing a thing about it. Like I just you made a good choice. It was Bend is beautiful. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, changed my life. 
Moved to then I moved to Bend when I was thirty at that point. Mm. No, yeah, geez, was I thirty? No, I was thirty-four at that point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like, what's where's my life? What is my life? Design for life. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, moved to Bend, worked for Whole Foods there, but then decided to elevate my skill sets. I was feeling like I was mid-thirties there. I was feeling like disillusioned by the two-dimensional design world. I was doing mm. some work, but it wasn't scratching the itch anymore. Right. And I decided to take a serious risk and go back to school and, and kind of pivot on a history of marketing and design work and then layer on top of that three-dimensional work and product design because it seemed like a natural move. But I was never really inter- interested in that growing up. I was never very mechanically mm. um, inclined or like obsessed with engines or I never like built stuff. And I, as I got older, I just started to like crave that stuff more. I started watching yeah. YouTube videos a lot with people that would do that and I became like obsessed with. Well, I, th- I think doing some mural work too and like mm-hmm. signages, you really got to yeah, work yeah. with your hands and like totally. start developing that skill set. Totally. Got introduced to like yeah. building off of that into right. a more 3D totally. thing. Exactly. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And then that brought me to school here, which has been the, the most rewarding and difficult um, phase of my life so far. Um, so did you meet your wife? Through the community thing? That's a, no. Uh, we met through bars. Uh, I was a bartender at oh, okay. it's like the hottest bar in my town at the time, and she was a friend of a friend and was there. And we hit it off, dated for two years, hmm. and then broke up. Didn't see each other for yeah. f- like five more five years. We're still friends. And I was gonna gloss over this part of the story just because you know it's gonna take time. But since you asked, hey, it's for life. Right? It's for life. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing was, and then I, another pivotal point in my life, I took a. I took a bartending job last minute. I was hired one place again, and something didn't feel right. So I didn't take the job, and I, I got another job at a different place. And at that place, I was on the bar my very first day, and my wife now, Rachel, uh, got stuck in the mud outside of that restaurant hmm. um, and had to come in and ask the car to move um, because she was going to hit them if she kept spinning tires or whatever. So she was sliding on this muddy ah. embankment. And I was there behind the bar, and it was like sparks flew again, and like within nine <laughs> months like, of that. I recognize you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. So it was like found again. It was like very yeah. totally, totally star crossed awesome. lovers awesome. type of like cosmic passion. It's crazy. Yeah. And within nine months of that meeting again, we were married and moved to Philadelphia. It was like, that's very cool. It was like that. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, man. It was, it was cool. And now, we're, and now we're here. And then hopefully we'll go back to Bend. That's the plan. The plan is to finish school and then I really fell in love with Bend and the community of Bend, what it is, um, what kind of lifestyle it promotes and like just the people there are all kind of pushing and living a life that I really resonates with me. You know, right. I, I like it a lot. Um, so that's that's the idea. And then we'll see what happens. I, I don't know, you know, the school thing and yeah. it's the path you take is oftentimes not what you expect. So I'm not making any like claims that it's gonna be one way or another, but yeah. I mean, it, it very much sounds like you've been doing the design process for your life for, I have. for a while, yeah. Yeah, it, some, you know, some successfully, some not, you know. I'm part of, part yeah. of why I'm interested in doing this, too, is to take a closer look at ways I can improve because I definitely, mm-hmm. I feel like I make some mistakes, some similar mistakes, you know, over and over again sometimes. There's patterns of thinking that I'm trying to break. Hmm. Um, I've, there's a lot of successes, too, but there's a lot of areas that, could use a little designing yeah. as it were. Yeah, I mean, that's that's everybody's uh, situation. It's like, there's always room for improvement. Right. And yeah, that, I mean. I'm talking about like finding pain points. That's the biggest thing, like finding pain points and then and engineering them out of your life. You know? Yeah, it, right. It's, it's 
you, you can't just like gloss over problems in your life and hope that it just gets better. Right. And that's, right. I think we do that a lot sometimes, especially when the solution is difficult. If the solution is difficult yeah. or the problem is, I think, is like painful, right. you know, and so for some reason, then it's hard to address it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely hard to address your problems, but it's one of those things that you do have to. Right. To get better. Like, you can't just like right. brush it off to your side, hold it inside. Yep. And just. It's not, it, and just disappears. Oh, it festers, like, yeah, festers. Yeah, it no just good. starts brewing and gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, the funny thing about, and that's such a huge topic, um, it's like I've, I'm notorious. One of the biggest things I've ever, I learned here, and I'm 38 now, like it's amazing the kind of lessons that are still available like later in life, you know? It's like, it's, yeah. it's kind of cliche, but you should, oh, I should have learned everything by now. Like I should know it, all of it, which is, <laughs> of course you shouldn't. But like the pushing Pushing into the darkness, facing the darkness and the fear and pushing into it and past it is something that I'm not acquainted with very well. Like I'm, I'm not, that's not, I don't have a long history or a track record of like really doing that, you know? And like some of the things I've had to do here to push through obstacles in school, both personally and academically, forced me to like stay the course when, when things were kind of ruckus, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And on the other side of that, some of the greatest, you know, some of the greatest rewards, really. Yeah. It's been a tr- such a rewarding, and it makes you think, like, what else, what other obstacles are in my life that are causing issues like that? Like, what what have mm-hmm. I done to put myself in this situation, or, or what can I do, what other things can I improve, you know? Right. Like, what other scary things lie in on the horizon? Like, what else is beyond the next set of breakers, mm-hmm. which is, like, gets you more fired up to, like, just swim further, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I think I that's what metaphors. design has taught me is like, you don't see problems as obstacles, but it's it's an it, it's a it's actually a hidden opportunity. Yeah, right? and that's like use that term is used a lot, like problems or opportunities. I, I really think it's important to understand what that like what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's like you shouldn't. It, it's the mindset where it's like you shouldn't just throw away your or like try to brush aside your problems. Just because it's hard, right? But face it, overcome it, and there's right. usually something amazing out of it. Yeah, I think and getting excited about the next, yeah, like what reward I, is there for you later? Right. You know, is what it's about, right? I think, yeah, and once you start going through those kind of failures or problems and overcoming it, that's when you start to realize, like, oh, those problems, actually, those problems are actually not that bad. Right. I can face it, no problem, and. It'll become less scary. Yeah, it becomes less scary and less like daunting and right. less uh, of an obstacle. And yeah. it's just like it, it makes you realize like I do want to face my problems and actually figure it out. Right. Instead of get anxiety and right have it cripple you. Right. And I'm still. I mean, as much as I say that, and like, I don't want anyone to think that I, I got it all figured out or that I've solved no. all my problems. I yeah, certainly yeah. haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do, and there's still some big ones that are scary to really scary to me. You know, so like part yeah. of this podcast is about is about trying to explore that, find new ways to address them, like yeah. talk openly about that, like demystify them. I think what it's like, it's kind of like the shadow of something. Like a, a tiny cat can cast a the shadow of a tiger, you know, and really it's just a, it's just a cat that's that's like the worst intro to that metaphor ever. <laughs> The problems cast a, a larger shadow, and if you can just shine light on the problem, the shadow goes away, and the problem seems much smaller. You know, that's the yeah. metaphor I was getting at. Yeah. And if you can just shine more light, 
into your into your closet, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, the shadows the, the the shadows disappear, and all you're left with is the trinkets that have cast them. You know, which are just small small things, which in theory should be really manageable. But we all know that it's it's still difficult. You know, yeah. it still takes courage, and I think, yeah, figuring out how to face your fears with with confidence and a, a level of like grace is one of the biggest lessons and, and like most important things you can do probably because mm-hmm. there's so many of them out there you know this world is a scary place got deep there for a second huh yeah well no it's, it's very true though um and i think <laughs> i mean i i definitely empathize with you know people who's, who's going through struggles and everything mm-hmm. um and like with, and I've had anxiety before where it's just like, why do I feel this way? Like, mm-hmm. why is my body, like, reacting this, like... Right. And I, I'm very laid back. I'm, like, usually don't get stressed or anything. Um, I just... It's nice. just... That's my demeanor. De- <laughs> demeanor? Demeanor. Demeanor. That's what was that? Is that um, a Spanish? That's a yeah, Spanish. that's just my personality trait. I'm, I'm, like, I don't get flustered very easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I keep my cool in most situations. Like, I don't get offended to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I still have times where it's just like, ah, right. Like, ah, yeah. I'm the opposite. I am like, I struggle with like crippling anxiety. So like <laughs> part of, part of, yeah, my every day is trying to find ways to address it. You know, yeah. and I know sort of the sources of it and I'm learning more of the real sources of it. And like the real sources of it are the scariest of them all, you know, because it's just right. like, I know what I have to do or what will help alleviate some of this. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then like doing it, it's oh, weird. It's yeah. still a block, you know. Like, why, right. why? Why don't you do it? Yeah, and yeah, like I haven't gone through very much anxiety growing up. Or that's good. Yeah, I mean, my most recent ones probably like, twenty fourteen or something like that. Really? No, uh, twenty six. No, twenty fifteen. Like just spells of of like yeah. Bouts. Just like I have, I I just couldn't figure out why yeah. I was feeling this way and like why my body was reacting to something. I had no clue what was going on. You hmm. know? Yeah, and it's just like confusion was like right. really. It was the prime reason right. that it was building up inside, and I just like it was not myself. You know, I was, hmm. yeah, nervous at everything. Right. Just like, but one of the so it's like the problem was unknown. At Did you that ever point. figure it out? Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to talk about it too. I mean, is, we're just getting personal, quick. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. For me, it's just this is the therapy podcast. What I what I discovered is was just stress, like stress in general like i was going to school and everything and i was like i was going into this relationship ah yeah and once i discovered like oh it's just stress and then that feeling just like just left me and i was like wow really oh thank you thank you holy shit yeah it was amazing yeah so just discovering what that problem was right just eliminated it right there nice that's great Uh, that's that's fantastic Uh, that's just how my body works that's amazing it just went away we can all hope for I mean there's still of course like emotional distress but just like the feeling in my body yeah was gone gone I felt myself yeah that's the weird thing about stress man is that like anxiety in general like manifests in so many weird ways and physical ways like it's not like I've had weird anxiety-driven issues that weren't like I'm worried about something overtly. It's like I'm a physical ailment. Like it feels like, you know, there's something actually physically wrong. But then at the end of the day, it's not. That's not the case. You know, it's just it's a. It's crazy how powerful the brain is like that, and how tied the body is to your state of mind. You know, it is bizarre. 
Yeah, just the switch in your thinking just kind of changes everything. Well, right. And that's what this whole podcast is about, too. And what we're trying to kind of keep things focused around is using design thinking to help kind of change a lot of components of the way your body operates and the way that you exist in time and Mm -hmm. space, really. You know, like you can use your mind to design yourself out of problems that affect both your physical condition and your station in life, ultimately. So I think that's important. Whether or not we're doing good jobs of that has yet to be seen, but I think it's... um, it's really, it's really critical to, to keep that on in the foreground of your conversations, literally and figuratively, you know, as much as you can, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, one thing that really helps with dealing with problems is trying to see it from an outside perspective. I like agree. I mentioned in the first one, yeah. first uh, podcast, but it's like, what if, I mean, what if the person that, your friend was experiencing the same thing and you were trying to give them advice exactly. like how to solve it. Yep. Like, that's how you need to like treat yourself yeah. and approach yourself. That's, it's also like empathy. Like, yeah, totally. You know, when someone that you know is going through something, you can put yourself in their shoes and understand yep. how they feel. Yep. And empathy is huge in design. Oh my gosh. Huge. Yeah. And that's why, and that's why we study it in those terms, you know, like putting yourself in the shoes of your user and doing yeah. limited mobility studies or whatever you're trying to simulate, you know, like reducing mm-hmm. your vision, reducing your yeah. articulation, trying to like walk in somebody's footsteps or really experience the world like they do. Yeah. It can have profound effects beyond even solving your design challenge, you know, it can be just really good as a, as from a human perspective yeah. um, to understand how other people are, are seeing things. I've always, I think I came to that realization on my own in my late teens when I, I was, I've always been really um, like empathetic naturally and very, a very like a, a born therapist sort of because I could listen to people's and understand people's problems and empathize with their sorrow and, and help them find solutions. And mm-hmm. at one point, I think my mom overheard me talking to somebody on the phone, I was like 16 or 17 and she was like, you know. Like, why don't you just you should take your own advice some like once in a while, you know? And like it hit me. And I was giving yeah. all this advice to somebody, cogent, patient, really well articulated advice yeah. about how they could move through this position of sadness, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I was only capable of actually speaking to myself and doing it, you know, it's, yeah. the irony is staggering. It's unbelievable. Um, and yeah, and I kind of that first pointed that out to me, like how easy it is to. Get caught up. Yeah, right. Yeah. You don't see it the same way. It's like, oh, it's different from yeah, me or something. Right. It's not different, you know? It's weird. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's helped me understand a lot about the world. That's another thing about, I think, design that attracts me so much. It's, yeah, it's it's like a, it gives you a different a three-dimensional perspective on the universe, being able to, like, make something, understand someone better like create something from scratch. Mm. It's almost this alchemical kind of mm-hmm. relationship where you're, you've cracked the universal code, like understanding how perspective lines work and like how objects exist in three-dimensional space. And once you understand the rules of the universe, you can manipulate them to your design, you know, which is phenomenal. It's like some yeah. Doctor Strange type a- approach, you know. You feel almost like you, mm-hmm. and, you yeah. can create anything. Yeah, and you know? good design is a very good example of that. Like, right, it's visible yeah, too. The user interaction is like how it's supposed to be. Like, right. Without interacting with it once, it just comes naturally, you know. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, it requires yeah. no instructions. Almost. Right. Right. And it, yeah, and that's the funny thing about design too is that it makes you aware of all the other oh, products yeah. that just does not do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a double edged sword. And it drives sword. you nuts. Right. Yeah. And you see it all. You see and it you all notice time. all yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. Ugh. 
That's true. It's like yeah, you you <laughs> the the all the inconsistencies and like the same graphic design did the same thing for me too. Actually, mm-hmm. it was like once you understand like topography and you start to love fonts and like you just start to see so you, you proofreading every sign and every restaurant and like. Mm. Like typo, typo, yeah. yeah. Type treatments, like all, <laughs> alignment problems, yeah. legibility. Like, oh, this whole world. Papyrus. Or pa- oh, was that papyrus. Pa- papyrus. Papyrus. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Avatar logo. Have you seen that? You see that video? Okay. That, that papyrus video? Oh man. Yes no. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Some at some point in this podcast, we were going to be able to play clips. That's a clip I will cut to, or maybe I'll edit it in later. That papyrus video is amazing. If anybody hasn't seen it, I think it's uh, was that. Uh, who was that? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic. Um, one of the best. Yeah, one of the best SNL like, yeah. skits. And one of the only – there's only a couple like graphic design viral video type skits that are out there. And that's only that's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple other ones about like, you know, things designers say or whatever. That, but there's not a ton. But that's a great one. If anybody hasn't, uh, yeah. hasn't seen that, go find that SNL papyrus skit. It's amazing. Especially in the designers because it's hilarious. Yeah. Whew, man. Okay. Well, listen. We are at fifty-five minutes. Wow. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that was pretty. I think smooth going. Yeah, it's astounding. We were really sitting out for 30, 30 minutes, but maybe the hour is is a more natural format for maybe. this. You know. Yeah. I mean, we did get kind of cut off the first time because the camera stopped working. That's we true. Like, well, maybe we should just wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost feel I almost feel like this is a, a natural stopping point here, too. I yeah. don't even think I think the origin stories were really insightful. I'm quite nice to learn about your origin story, too, because I, I didn't know that. So that's cool. I don't even know if the listeners here, if there's any listeners out there yet. Um, we'll assume that there are tons of listeners. Um, we will eventually. Yeah. Alex and I don't ha- we don't have an extensive working history. Uh, we met um, kind of in passing sort of as a student shop tech kind of relationship, yeah. but we so, don't know each other that well. Right. So I was a shop tech for the University of Oregon Sculpture Studio. Right. Of uh, which I, I was a student within. Yeah. And yeah, it was just Sculpture 101. Yeah. Um, and that's how we first met. We both had like a similar understanding of the world, the value of money and everything, because we, we'd work right. uh, outside of school and then came back to school. Right. Um, we're both older. I think that yeah. was too. Like we were just a little older people that More were in a. That yeah. traveled multiple places by then. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't we didn't we don't really know each other that well. We met up again um, during some mutual work here in the studio that we're recording this in, um, and just through conversation, uh, this podcast idea mm-hmm. came about. So we, we're really uh, we're doing this kind of to, and we're getting acquainted with each other, mm-hmm. working styles, preferences, life story, all that stuff. So just in case yeah. anybody, and we we do have different perspectives on totally a couple of things, but that just brings good discussion. So, uh, so I think yeah, I yeah. think it's great. Uh, yeah, that's why we decided to do this. Uh, and yeah, no, I'm excited. Me too. I think it's, it's, it's going to be a long-term thing. It's fun. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I like it. And because it's remote too, like we can change location. Really? Yeah. Even if you decide to go back to go back to Ben, right. like, we can still make it work. So yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's the whole plan. And one of the values that I'm trying to follow is be location independent. Like it. And my plan is actually to end up in Hawaii. So I'll invite all you guys to come to Hawaii and, uh, yeah, that's have a nice yeah. design sesh. That's amazing. I, I love it. I'm really excited about it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Of course. And that is, I believe, episode two of the Design for Life podcast. We will see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Watching, listening. Oh. <laughs>